Hello Church. Thanks for joining us on our third podcast. I'm so excited to jump into this proverb with you guys. We're going to break down this proverb. We're going to answer some questions. And of course, we're probably going to get a little off topic and talk about some other things. But I'm so glad that you are here with us. We have David, Nat, and Leslie here with us. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready. This morning was C with the poll, and I thought it went really well. I think that we had a lot of students come out and participate. I know that the other schools around the area also had several students participate. I was able to go to the high school one and join in on that. And I know that David was over at the junior high and I saw some pictures from that. And so tonight we have Illuminate and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to have all the students together to worship. And so that's what we have going on today other than our podcast. So how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah, doing really well. Pumped for tonight. Um, yeah, super excited. Yeah, see, the poll was always such a blessing um, getting the lead. It was cool that Ryan got to lead at the high school and I led at the junior high and so uh, worship, I should say. Um, and uh, always just an amazing time to see students gathering just to pray. Um, it's just, it's incredible. And so, yeah, we're excited about Illuminate One Night tonight. Um, Ryan and I are both leading worship for that too. That's right. That's right. And this morning was really kind of a God thing because I was on my way to Gina Jones's house and I'd stopped to pick up some cinnamon rolls because I'd talked to David about picking up some cinnamon rolls for the high school. And so I called her and I asked her, how many do I need to pick up? And she said, well, we have like 30 boxes of donuts. I don't know that you need to pick up any. Nice. I was like, okay, that's fine. Well, then I will head that way. And then she stopped me. And she said, well, hang on. Are you close to the church? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm at the grocery store right now. I was about to go in, so I'm, I'm not too far from the church. She's like, okay, well, go get your guitar. <laughs> because out of all the youth pastors that are here at my house, not one of them plays the guitar. <laughs> and so they, they didn't think about music, and they didn't think about any of that. And so if you'll go grab your guitar, that would be great. So at that point, I had 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, I can go do that. So there you go. I came back and grabbed the guitar and yeah, I saw a little a little clip that uh, one of the other youth pastors posted and it sounded really good, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I hadn't. I'm telling you, I haven't played in three months, and I picked it up to tune it the other day and make sure it was all tuned because I mean it's a nice. I, I have a nice guitar, but I had spent the last six years leading worship in Seymour, and so now that I'm here and I have all of you guys and y'all y'all are so incredible and I don't have to do anything for anybody else. It's kind of strange (laughs) because we spent six years. I was the youth pastor. Amy was the children's pastor. We were the worship leaders. I was the senior pastor. Like we did everything. And so now there are times where I'm just like, okay, (laughs) what am I supposed to be doing? Like I really don't have spare time because I have school, but I, I feel like I have been given back so much time. Just because I don't have to do those things. Time you can be with your family. Yeah, so so it's great. Nice. Yeah, man. Well, it's been really cool, too, because I don't know if you guys know, Ryan is super talented. So he doesn't just play guitar. He plays drums. He plays bass. And so Ryan's one of those guys that on a drop of a dime, I could be like, hey, dude, you want to play some bass? Or you want to play some drums? Like, I so. am mediocrely talented. <laughs> like, I'm not greatly talented at any of those things, but. It's kind of like me, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> play everything, but that is right. I'm not a master at any of them. Do you give yourself more credit, David? I think you're an expert. <laughs> I think you have to log 10,000 hours, and I don't think I'm close yet. Oh. I'm not old enough for that. 
All right. So this morning we're going to be in Proverbs 3, and it's a fairly long verse. However, I was prepared somewhat this morning because I wrote down questions Good that we job. can answer. <laughs> and so hopefully we'll stay somewhat on the topic of Scripture, but there's so much to break down here. And I feel like there's so much that we can really dig into on this Scripture. So I want to make sure that we hit those things. So I'm going to start reading in Proverbs 3, verse 1. It says this, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years, and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then you will fill your barns with he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding, for wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. By wisdom the Lord founded the earth. By understanding he created the heavens. By his knowledge the deep fountains of the earth burst forth and the dew settles beneath the night sky. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You will not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor for those who live nearby trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. Don't envy violent people or copy their ways. Such wicked people are detestable to the Lord but he offers his friendship to the godly. The Lord curses the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the upright. The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. The wise inherit honor, but fools are put to shame. And just FYI, I read that out of the NLT. I, I know that you all have uh, the ESV versions, and I didn't realize until halfway through <laughs> that scripture that I was on the NLT, so I thought, oh, I bet you there's there's this different, because I always read from the ESV. And so as I was reading through it, I thought, ah, you know what, they probably have something different than I do. But either way, 
uh, I read it out of the NLT, regardless of what translation you have, we'll, we'll still break it down and, and go through it. You're still pretty close. I was able to keep follow along with you. So the very first thing that, that popped out to, to my mind, and it was really just marching through the scripture, is uh, what does it mean to store the commands of God in your heart for you? What do you, what do you think that means? How do you think you can apply that? How do you think that fits into your life as a believer? For me, that would just kind of goes back to just seeking him every day. Um, I used to think storing them, memorizing them, but then I learned growing in my faith that it's so much more than just memorizing it. Um, Because when you store something in your heart, you kind of take it with you everywhere and you let it guide you and pull you um, because love is very powerful. So I think that's what that means to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I think it's it's a bit of a discipline. It's it's a everyday practice to take the things that God, like specifically here, talking about God's commandments. It's you can't really store God's commandments in your heart if you don't take the time to read about them and to listen. Um, you know, I think so often we we pray and we just say, God, I need this and this and this, and God's like, Yeah, but what about what I want for you? <laughs> you know, and so right. it's taking that time to listen. Um, listen to God and also re- dig into the word and see what his commandments are. Because we really can't store his commandments if we don't know what they are. So I think it it's that discipline of actually doing the research and, and, and taking the time out to really get to know what God wants us to know. Right. I agree with that. I think that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. It really kind of goes back to what we talked about on Sunday during our our sermon is you have to come in and participate and grow in that knowledge right when when you when you come into church the purpose is not to make you the perfect christian in that instance like all of a sudden everything's going to just work out but it's a, it's a growing process it's something that you have to uh to go through and and it's something that happens every single day and so as you gain that knowledge that's how that's how you store those things in your heart because before you know we we know what is right and wrong however we know what the world has taught us is is right and wrong and that might differ a little bit from what god tells us and in fact some of the things that we talk about towards the later part of this scripture might actually go against what the world tells us is necessarily right or or wrong because it talks about giving to those in need Whereas the, the world often teaches us that what we have is ours mm-hmm. and we, we can use it however we want to. And because we earned it, it's a part of, of, of what we have done. Mm-hmm. Whereas God says, well, no, what you have been given is what I have given you. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to use it to help others who are in need. Now, We'll get into it here in a little bit on that, but sometimes the the world and the world's idea of discipline is different than God's idea of discipline. So anyone who has listened to me preach has heard me say at least once, 
um, if not 10, 15 times. <laughs> that my favorite verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll guide you. Um, that's the David Brook uh, version. Sorry, I should read the Bible that's right in front of me. But <laughs> what that's getting at is we have to trust him and we have to obey him. And if we do those two things, he'll guide us. Um, and really even sort of a third thing in there is n- lean on on your own understanding. You know, when we take the time to just trust God and obey his commands, like we were talking earlier, not trying to do it on our own, in our own strength, in our own power, which will ultimately fail, mm-hmm. God will guide us. And there's so much, there's so much promise just packed into those two verses but something I know I don't typically go into, but it, it it's just so so good, and I I need to start adding it to my typical Proverbs three five and six is verse seven, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I'm like that kind of sums it up. Yep. If we're not if if we don't try to do it on our own, we don't focus on the things that are um, evil. What else is there? And when we're focusing on God and we're trusting in Him, He's got, he's got us. Mm-hmm. We got to stop trying to do it on our own. And I think it goes to the whole concept that we ultimately feel like we know what's best. We we feel like we are old enough or wise enough or have everything together enough to tell God, "No, this is what." needs to happen. This is what I need in my life. When God is trying to tell us the exact opposite mm-hmm. of no, you really need to go left. You don't need to go right. I know that right going right looks good and it looks like it's it's better, but I promise you if you go that way, there are things there that you cannot see right now that is not going to be good. So please just listen to me and please just go this direction. <laughs> But we have this this idea that, well, God, I have I have been doing this for however long. Right. I've been making my own decisions and so far I've made it okay. Right. But you know, we, we have that idea that God doesn't know best. His commands aren't best for us. You know, I can I can participate in this just a little bit. You know, I this is, this is my vice. This is my sin. This is my, you know, I'm just going to keep this from God and I'm going to hold it tight. And this is just what I go to, you know, when I want to let off some steam or something like that. But God, God says, no, that's, that's not good for you. That's not what I want for you. I want you to be in my will, not in your will. Right. So whenever it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom, I kind of chuckled at that <laughs> because it's, it, you know, it we get so full of ourselves. You really do. In in thinking that we have it all put together. When in reality it doesn't matter how old you are. When when it hits the fan, it goes everywhere. Yes, sir. And it's <laughs> not good for anybody. No. But you know, we have that that false sense of security of I, I've got my life together. Reality. Sometimes it's God that's holding it all together for us. Oh yeah, definitely truth to that. So I want to go back up a little bit. So we jumped forward, but what 
Why is loyalty and kindness important? So in verse 3, it says, says, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck is a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Why do you think that the writer of this proverb felt that loyalty and kindness was important enough to include that in this list of things that we should never forget? Those are Christ-like qualities that he was very good at, and it makes all the difference no matter what you're trying to approach in life. If you do it with kindness and with love, and for me, loyalty is just a sense of, like, we'll, you know, getting through it together versus just lecturing that person or telling them your perspective or something, going through it with them with kindness. So for me, the the concept of loyalty, and when I think about the the person or the people that I'm most loyal to, it's the people that are there no matter what. Good, bad, ugly, they are there to support me, they're there to build me up, they're there, but they're also there to correct me. Right. They're also there to call me out on on my junk. And so when I think about that, it's not just about being a yes man. It's not just about, you know, building that person up. It's not just about being a cheerleader or, you know, just just pouring into that person with with just good things. It's also helping that person see when they are wrong. And so for me, you know, that's my, my very best friend, David Lee, lives in Longview, and he's the, the associate pastor in Longview. And we lived in Denver City together for God, probably about six years, and we became really close. And he, he is my best friend, and he's that person that I go to. And when I'm struggling with something or when I need advice or, you know, just, just if I'm feeling alone, if, if, I don't, if I don't go and talk to Amy, I go and talk to David. And we'll FaceTime or we'll do those things, but loyalty means no matter what, even if they're wrong, even if they fail, even if they struggle, you don't leave their side. You're always there, always by their side. And I think that you need those people. And then I think when you tie that with, with kindness, I think that that is what helps build your relationship with people. So being loyal to people is being there no matter what, and then having having kindness while you do it allows you to have a better relationship and a better influence with that person. Now that you put it in that perspective, it kind of seems like that's what our society seeks in everything and everybody that they even come across. And it's probably why there's so much hatred in the world because finding this loyalty found in scripture is hard and humans tend to be of the flesh and you know probably judge without even really trying to or not being able to be that loyal person so then someone else doesn't because you're not matching it type of thing so I think that's great something we should all really work on doing for the Lord another thing I was thinking about as you were saying that is as much as we need those people, we also have the opportunity to be that person for someone right. else. And I just think that's huge. Yeah. To know that there's someone out there who needs us. And I think sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, oh, man, 
I can't make a difference. I'm not. I'm not important. I'm, you know, for some of you guys who might be listening, you may be saying, I. I read my Bible, but I'm not as versed, and that's why we're doing this because we have an opportunity to come together and open the Bible and just see what God's telling us through it. And so, big thing I always try to get across to people is there's not anything that makes any of us in this room more qualified than anybody else. Yeah, it's just that God has given us unique experiences and callings to go make a difference, and so maybe we can be that person for somebody else. If you're listening, you can be that person for somebody else. You just got to be willing. Now, I don't appreciate that. I am one semester away from a master's degree in divinity. <laughs> okay. I am Ryan's, the most qualified. <laughs> Ryan's more qualified than the rest of us. No, no and, and the, the crazy thing is, is I've known pastors with a master's degree that are just, for a lack of better term, absolute idiots. You know, they, they, they are either not very tactful in the way they deal with people or they have a really obscure theological or doctrinal understanding of scripture or so a master's degree doesn't necessarily make you qualified, but you know, I just thought I'd throw that. <laughs> See, but you don't have it yet. So oh, until then you're not, qualified. I know, I know I'm not qualified. So I've got like enough. one more semester just to get all my jabs in. That's right. You better, you better. Cause then, then it's on, I know. But actually, in the conference's eyes, even at that point, I'm still not qualified enough. Yeah, I have to. to. I have to have a two-year provisional elder time in which right. that they have to look at me and make sure that I am worthy of being <laughs> ordained. And all I can think is, really, the last six years is not enough time for you to decide right. that. Like you haven't actively been trying to figure that out, because if you haven't then I don't think two years is going to be enough. Right. That's but, so funny. Yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> you know, somewhere out there, the DS is listening. Oh, really? <laughs> Make it four. <laughs> I hope so. You know what? I, I will say less. I hope that you're listening. I love you, man. I've, I've truly enjoyed <laughs> you being uh, a, a part of my ministry for the last couple of months. And if you Can have any pool at all, you need to talk <laughs> to the board and tell them that this two-year provisional elder track is not necessary. So and who knows? He might be listening. While you're on the phone, Liz, it's Natalie. Hey, what's up? Consider <laughs> me for candidacy. I'm go- trying to follow down the track. This podcast is brought to you by Les. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Not a sponsor. <laughs> not officially. Too, too bad Les can't call in. I know, right? Oh, that would be so nice. That would be sweet. That would be so nice. He actually could. <laughs> Have the have the capability right there. We there should tell oh, the yeah. church about that. Bluetooth that way. I forgot about that. I didn't even think about that. That would be cool. All okay. right. So, back so question for you guys, right before we get back on. Okay. If you guys could have a guest speaker come in and, and do a podcast, who would you want, or would you like to be a guest? Let us know, and we'll open up another mic for you. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about me personally. Like, I was just about to blur out French Chan. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if we could make that happen, I'd be all for that. That would be the most incredible thing that that I've ever Francis Chan, John Foreman of Switchfoot. Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa Turkhurst, that'd be awesome. Yep, yep. I could go with some some Matt Chandler. That dude is just deep. I want one of the Shane's. He has such a good understanding. Shane and Shane, those are good ones. I'll take them both, but I'll take one, too. Oh, my person's not a celebrity. I'd get Andy Hurst. From St. Luke's in Lubbock. Cool. He was really solid, and he is so enthusiastic with his faith, 
And like he'll worship just in the middle of the day, in the middle of nowhere. And he like wants to draw people to it. He loves being full of joy. And I just, that's the kind of energy I enjoyed being around. And it was fun. Learned Personally, I think it'd be cool to get Matt Stidham at Eastside. Yeah. I think Some so of the too. pastors in town. I think it'd be cool to get any of the pastors in any town. Any of them. I right. mean, Stephen, Reed, I think that Ben would be cool. I think that just getting different perspectives. And to be honest, I think it would be cool to get less the yeah. RDS to, to come in and participate in one and, and be involved and, you know, we can just rack his brain about different fun. things. So pastors, if you're listening, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we come will be us. calling. I think Steven <laughs> has a podcast voice, so he'd be cool. He does. And Matt is probably one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to biblical instruction. When I've got, gotten the lead, which this still blows my mind, but, when I've led worship at Church of Christ up there uh, at Eastside, um, some of his sermons, I'm just like, man, he just goes so deep into his scriptural knowledge, and it's it's incredible to watch. Oh, that's awesome. I have to listen. It is really good. Okay, so next question deals with God's will. And I, I feel like we, as church people, we throw that out there all the time. Like, just seek God's will. Okay. <laughs> Let me do that, Pastor. Thanks for that <laughs> advice. You know, but that's kind of our catch-all of, especially when we don't know, we're just like, well, it's just God's will. Are you sure? Like, mm-hmm. are you positive? Is that scriptural? Is that discernment? Are you just getting some weird vibe about it? How do you know that it's God's will? So my, my question about that, because it, it does say here that we are to seek the will of God. So what does that mean for you guys? What does it mean to seek his will? Prayer, so much prayer, giving up things like giving God back everything and praying and hoping that as he gives it all back, it's kind of in perspective and in his order, you know, naturally it's gone through his hands like everything does and just diving into scripture, participating, just trying to stay involved and focused Anybody else? What does it mean to you to seek the will of God? And in, in, in Scripture, it actually says to seek His will in all that you do. So what does that mean, to seek God in all that you do? Bring Him into everything that you do. I think that it, it goes back to what Natalie and I were talking about the other day, about the, the concept had come up of prioritizing our relationship with God. And we talked about it, and personally, I feel like that's a terrible way to describe your relationship with God. Because when we prioritize, it means we make a list of the most important things. And so, number one, naturally, if you're a Christian, should be God. Mm-hmm. But in reality, if we're if we're being honest with everyone and we're, we're just being upfront, very rarely is God at the top of that list. We have so many things that bombard our lives and so many things that are going on that in reality, God is not always at the top of our list. And so we we feel like these failures because God's not at the top of our list. And we, we feel like 
because of that, we are due some type of judgment or condemnation or lightning strike from God because we haven't been reading our Bibles the way that we should. We haven't been praying the way that we should. We haven't been worshiping the way that we should. We haven't prioritized him in our life. But in reality, I don't think that God calls us to prioritize him into our lives. I think that he calls us to place him in all that we do. So in doing that, it is centralizing our relationship with God rather than prioritizing our relationship with God. So that means we take God and we apply him into all of the things that we do. So whether that's your family, because family is a huge thing, especially for me. I mean, I have four kids. They, they t- consume my time. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm just running around ragged. In fact, Amy and I had a conversation the other day, and, and we were talking about how it seems like we just can't catch our breath because we have so many things going on right now between church ministry and family stuff because Addison started volleyball because she's in seventh grade, and Katie started taekwondo, and oh, nice. and then our, our, our two smallest, they're just they're wild children, <laughs> and they... They cause all kinds of havoc in my house. So we're either dealing with the two small ones or we're running to to appointments or we're doing ministry or we're doing this or we're doing that. And it seems like we just cannot stop and catch our breath for a second. And when you do those types of things, it's hard to find places to prioritize God into. And so whenever I, I realized that I wasn't supposed to prioritize God into my life, but centralize God in my life, that meant that whenever I'm with my family, how am I showing them God? How have I placed God in the center of my family and in the center of that relationship? Am I treating Amy with kindness and love and compassion and mercy? And am I, am I showing her the traits of God through the way that I treat her. Then the same thing with my kids. Am I patient with them? Am I am I forgiving when, you know, my son just straight up cracks my youngest daughter across the head mm-hmm. with, you know, one of his Nerf baseball pads <laughs> or balls or whatever you know they're not just super hard but of course Daisy being Daisy she is the epitome of drama and if she's not in theater when she gets older she is wasting her talent <laughs> so you know am, am I am I patient in that moment or do I just automatically just get super angry and just snap and and just jump all over Nolan and and just become overbearing or am I showing him discipline as well as forgiveness? Because I feel like he needs discipline. If he throws a ball at Daisy's face, there needs to be a consequence. Right. However, am I doing that in, in still being able to show patience and kindness and all of those things? And as a parent, I fail at that all the time. And then you look at some of the more obscure things, you know, when I go to the store, do I treat people? the way that God would want me to treat them? Do I show love? Do I, do I do those types of things? Whenever I'm at CrossFit, do I do the same things? Whenever I'm competing, do I do those same things? Whenever I am doing whatever in the world it might be, am I placing God in the center of all the things that I do? So I feel like we need to find a way to do that, to centralize it, because then the question becomes different. It's not a question of okay, how can I move time around to fit God into my schedule? 
It's how am I making sure that God is a part of everything in my schedule? Right. And so for me, that's what seeking God's will is. It's the centralizing of our relationship in Jesus into everything that we do. And so in that way, you're in this constant state of asking, how am I glorifying God in this moment? How am I glorifying God in this? How am I, how am I showing the love of God in this? How am I? And it, it just becomes a, a, it becomes a life change. It becomes a, a shift of focus. And then in all honesty, I feel like it takes out a ton of that guilt yes. of I'm not spending enough time with God. Because when we make him a part of everything, then there are very few moments during the day where we aren't seeking God. Right. Yeah. And, and we're going to fail in that. Because you'll read devotional books and stuff for women, and they say, get up early and spend time with God or make sure you carve out this amount of time. And I'm like, yeah. okay, first chapter, I failed. I'm Okay, well, there you go. Right. <laughs> you can't do it. Right. But the way... You've explained it as, so I know I, I wake, I don't have kids at home. Mm -hmm. My kids are grown. It's just me and Jason. And I still can't find this little block of time where I'm supposed to sit and, you know, concentrate and do that. So it's like getting up and saying, okay, I'm going to be at the restaurant all day. How do I show kindness and Mm -hmm. all this to my staff? How do I? How can I bring God into my my day? Right. And so uh, I'm learning the art of centralizing it. Because if if not, the, when you read any book, devotional or anything, all these women with these 30-minute blocks of time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm yep. so jealous of your 30 minutes. <laughs> but you can't always carve out this so you have you have to centralize it if, to make it work. Right, right, and I, I definitely think that there's you know, you need time in your day to be able to to pray and to read and things of that nature. But I, I also feel like if you wake up and you you begin your your day, I don't feel like you should be at a place where you beat yourself up because you didn't wake up in enough time to to read. Because for me, man, I. For a long time, in fact, for like four years, I was on a schedule where I'd wake up at 4.45 to go work out at 5 a.m. And then I'd go and I'd do my work day. And for some reason, I get here, and if I wake up at 5 a.m. to go work out, I'm like passing out at my desk. I can't get anything done. It's just not happening. So <laughs> early mornings is not going well for me. <laughs> it's just not. It's, it's not working. Right, and that, That's something you have to ask yourself. Get up early. That's great. But if you're not a morning person, you're not getting anything out of it. No. Truthfully. Except for misery. If you're the kind of person who stays up at night, then wait till everybody goes to bed. Get your time in if you can yeah. and then go to bed. If you're too tired, I, there's just so, so many different ways. But as you were saying that, I was kind of trying to like check my head on is this prioritizing or is this centralizing? But um, I would encourage you guys, write it down. Write down your schedule. Write down the things that you mm-hmm. do on a daily basis and the places that you are <clears throat> week to week. Um, and if it changes week to week, then go through a month if you have to. Um, but write it all down and just just see. There's something about having something visually laid out in front of you that you can say, okay, I do this and this and this. It may do one of two things. You may say, okay, 
Now, how do I centralize God in that? And, and you can actually think through um, how you can do that. And maybe that's the thing you can do. And that's something you can do while you're at the grocery store. Have your little list right in front of you, and you're just kind of thinking while you're picking stuff. Like, right. you know, you can you can find ways to, I know I shouldn't be encouraging multitasking, but hey, sometimes we have to, right? And uh, having that written down might be able to sort of get you mentally wrapped around the idea of actually centralizing God in a practical way. Because if you're like me, I can think about it all day, but if I don't visualize it, it's never going to happen. Right. It has to get out on paper. Right. So... And and I don't know I don't know if if you know everybody has it, but if you have if you have the U version Bible app, the Bible will read to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the the easiest ways to get into really just digging into the Word is when you're getting ready in the morning, just turn it on, just let it read. And when something catches your attention, take a pause, listen to it. Really, really think about what it is that is being said and what it is that Scripture is trying to reveal to you and make it a part of, of your day, whether you're at the grocery store. You know, wireless headphones are a big thing now. Put in a headphone. Listen to the Bible while you're picking out your groceries. Heck, maybe if all else fails, it'll convict you and keep you from getting the cookies and putting those in your <laughs> car. You never know. But, you know, there are all kinds of places that we can make God a part of what it is that we're doing. And it can be as simple as when you go to the store. And I know that it's hard wearing masks, but smiling it it, it, it people. Beginning a conversation with the, the person that's checking you out. I, I find that to be one of the most engaging times because they can't go anywhere. Right. They have to sit there and you, you ask them and it's simple. Just ask them how their day is and then respond to it because most of them are, are going to give you some sort of response of it's okay or it's fine or it's good. Follow up with it. You know, ask, ask, ask a follow up question. Don't just leave it there because that, that's just pleasantries, you know, hi, how are you doing? Good. Say something like, I'm, I'm glad you're having a good day. You know, ask them, you know, how long have you been here today? Has it been a long day? Has it been a busy day? Has it been a slow day? Uh, what's, what's made it such a good day? You know, why? What's going on? Just try to dig in a little bit deeper. And for some reason, I, I don't know why, but I, I feel like the most engaged I've been in a conversation with someone who is checking out my groceries is at Walmart. Like that is where I get the most engagement. I don't know why. Really? Mine is the Sackers at United. I was about to say the same thing. Those kids are the nicest, friendliest kids. And you get to, and you don't just get them while you're checking out. They walk you all All the way to your car and you can have those conversations. I've, my best conversations have been, they start telling me about their lives and and Mm -hmm. a lot of them know I'm a youth pastor. So they, you know, they're willing to share some stuff. But the biggest thing is that when you go the next time and you intentionally pick their line and then you ask them about how that thing they told you about the last yeah. time blows their mind. You're like, yeah. you actually remembered that? Right. Yeah, I sure did. I've been Aww. praying for you. You know, like that's huge. Or yeah. on a hot day, sometimes just a reminder, you get so busy with work and so slammed, you forget to drink water. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not your parent, but uh, it's like 110 degrees. Are you drinking water? Have you had some Gatorade or whatever? 
Like, do you need me to buy you one? Like, I'll be happy to buy you one. Like, right. I'll buy everyone. <laughs> like, free drinks for everybody. <laughs> you know, like, but you get a Gatorade. And you get a Gatorade. And you get a Gatorade. Oprah show. That's that. right. <laughs> David Oprah. <laughs> but I mean, that's sometimes that's what it takes. It's just showing that extra, extra step of kindness that can it really is. make somebody's day and helping them to see that they're not they're not invisible mm-hmm. in, in what they're doing. And the more you get to know them, the more you get to ask questions. Like if you know that they're going to college. Yeah. Hey, how are your classes going? You know, or are they going well? Are you enjoying college? Are you having a good semester? Are you, are you able to get all your stuff done? If they play sports, hey, how is this sport? How are you doing in it? Have you had a good time? Are you winning? Well, Natalie, when she first got here, she had come to eat at the restaurant, and I didn't know she was out there, but... One of the servers came running back with his receipt, and he was like, look, she invited me to church. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, look at my note. <laughs> and it says, come to church, or we invite you to church or something. And I saw it, and she had left her name, or yeah. I don't know. And I was like, well, that's Natalie. Yeah. And so it's you can do it at restaurants, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, especially for servers, because they get some of the worst oh customers. Yes, they do. I mean, and it can just ruin their day. And, you know, it's it's hard not to get frustrated and to, to just become overwhelmed by those those customers that come in and do those types of things. And so so find ways to pour into your server. Find ways to really kind of, of get to know them and, and because they're they're there serving you. Right. They're there trying to provide for you all that you need during that time that you're in there, whether it's a drink or whether it's your food or whether you ask them to go a hundred million times to go get different condiments and whether it's ketchup or, or whatever it might be. I feel so bad because there are times where I'll ask for something and then Amy will be like, Oh man, I forgot to ask. And so then they'll come back and then she asks and then one of the kids will ask. And so yeah. it's like this constant just back and <laughs> forth to my table. And all I can think is I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry we don't have our life together enough to know exactly what we need the first time you come to our table. But, you know, it's in those moments that you can just apologize. Just say, I know that you are working super hard and that we have been a very difficult table, and I'm sorry, but you have done a great job. Compliment them to the manager. Yes. I mean, do things to, to just build people up. We need to stop tearing people down, and we need to yep. find ways to help build them up. Write an encouraging note on your receipt. Yeah. Please do that. I mean, it makes a huge difference. And please tip. I mean, goodness gracious. I don't know why <laughs> right? we have to have that kind of a conversation in today's day and age, but tip the server. I mean, goodness. And it goes down to what we'll talk about here in a second. I'm going to go ahead and go into it. It says, you know, if you have, give. Give. Don't wait till tomorrow. Just just give. If you have enough to bless someone who deserves it, which let's be real, most deserve most servers deserve it. Now, I will say, you know, there are times where I've had terrible servers, but you don't know their day. Right. You don't yeah. know what's been going on. You don't know what's happening. And, you know, I, I've been with people that they're like, well, that was terrible service. I'm going to tip them a penny. I'm like, man, don't be a jerk. Right. Like, you know, I know that they didn't do a great job. However, this is still how they're making a living. Maybe the fact that you tip and leave them a note helps build back up their day to where when they serve the next table, 
they're a lot nicer. Right. I will tell you that you might not think that a note means anything. They love the notes. It's yeah. like, look, they said I did a good, look, they said. Yeah. yeah. Or inviting him to church. Yeah. That blew him away. He thought that was so awesome that day. She invited me to church. I'm like, well, that's cool. You going? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just funny because that goes to show that you just never know the difference you're making on people. Like, I talked to him about it, and he totally played it off and was like, nonchalant, whatever, yeah, I'm cool. Mm -hmm. And then went back to, you know, so excited. And, like, you know, he took the seed with him versus leaving at the table like I thought he would. But I was just kind of throwing it out there anyways. And and they appreciate it. Right. But so it is like at United, you can call and say, hey, I had this checker. I had this stacker Mm -hmm. at Walmart. I had this. And their name is normally at the bottom of the receipt. They're the checker. And and so, you know, make sure to do those types of things. I think think at the end of the day, we all just want some validation that we're doing something right. 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 The truth is a lot of us are working some of these jobs – in order to get us to where we really want to be. And that's not that's not everybody and there's nothing wrong with that. But for those who are maybe working as a working in a restaurant while going through college and, mm-hmm. and trying to do that, it's really difficult because you're you're putting in the time and you're putting in the effort, but you're not where you, you quite want to be. And I think all of us understand that. Right. And so sometimes it's just the validation of knowing, hey, I may not be I may not be where I want to be today, mm-hmm. but I'm doing a good job mm-hmm. and I'm doing the best that I can. And people see that. And that's yep. huge. That makes yep. a huge difference. So, yep. and, and going back to the not tipping for a quote unquote bad server. I mean, the Bible also says kill them with kindness. Mm-hmm. And that may not be the best reference to use, but it's the one that pops in my head. <laughs> and that might be the opportunity, as you said, to build somebody back up. That's right. To say, hey. Maybe, I, I don't know that you leave a note. Hey, sorry you're having a bad day and you're a jerk, but here's a good tip. <laughs> like, you know, but. Sorry you're a terrible server, but here's $10. <laughs> but sometimes, because I'll be honest, even in my job, there are days where I'm like, dude, I messed up. And somebody will come up to me and they'll say something so kind. And I'm just like, uh, like I was, <laughs> it, it, it's almost like killing me with kindness because I'm so in my head. I'm, I'm bashing yeah. myself, mm-hmm. which is just as much a sin as bashing somebody else. And someone comes in and they're like, you did awesome. And I was like, no, I didn't. I just killed their compliment. Like, that's mean. I can't right. do that. I got to get out of my head. And that's that's not, I don't know. I'm getting us off track. But No, I think you're right. I struggle with that too. All right. So the next question I have is, and, and I feel like we've kind of answered it a little bit. Um but it, it talks about honoring God, and it, it goes a little bit deeper in that it says to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So I feel like during this time, it was it was very much a, an agricultural society, and so giving of their produce was was something that they would normally do. But in today's society, we're, we're not all farmers we don't all have those types of of produce so in what ways do you honor god with the things that you do thanking him for it mainly because i do understand that everything's a gift and he's the source and being kind and giving when i can in the moment 
I tend to not be a very impulsive person and it won't be till later that I'm like, oh, I should have done that type of thing. So I'm trying to work on that. But just thanking God and bringing him into it and thanking him and trying to give and just being ready to use it to serve the kingdom, whatever it is. I think that um, so often we we think about giving to God solely as a monetary thing, solely as a money thing. And I think that that is, is vitally important for the sole fact that the ministry that we provide is so reliant on that. Right. So it, it is, you know, and, and I don't want to go onto a, a soapbox and, and start preaching about why you should give to your church and and things of that nature, because you should naturally know why you should give to your church. But we we have this idea that there's only a certain amount that we can give, like the whole concept of 10%. And that that is a scriptural number in the Old Testament where they would give 10% of what they had to the the to the Levites. And that's how they would would live mm-hmm. and that's how they would function but in in today's standard in reality it's not about 10 percent. it's about what are you giving cheerfully yep. and for for some that's that's giving of their their money but for others it's giving of their time it's giving of their resources it's giving of their energy and not all not all donations have to be put into the offering plate as money we ask for donations for candy for our trunk or treat and our fall festival. We ask for donations for food, for funeral meals, and for when we're having potlucks and things of that nature. We ask for people to come and volunteer their time. And your time is valuable, and it's oh, worth yeah. something. And we can't we can't put necessarily a, a dollar amount on that. I mean, if you wanted us to, I guess we could. But One dollar. That's right. <laughs> I guess it depends on how hard you work. <laughs> but, you know, we are called to honor God with what it is that, that we do. And, you know, it goes back to what we've been talking about for like the past 30 minutes. But it's about centralizing God in the things that we do and honoring him in those actions. Yeah. But it's not just out of money. Or waking up early and reading your devotional. Yeah. All right, so the next one I'm really interested in, and to be honest, this is probably all we're going to have time to to get through, but it, it pretty much gets us through the the rest of the chapter. But how does God correct us? So think about this. So we talked about just the other day how God's not up there with a magnifying glass just waiting for us to screw up so that he can, you know, cause all kinds of havoc in our life, right? We talked about that. And I said, you know, God does not, is not someone who punishes you because you have sinned, because you've, you've failed. So how then, if, if, we have, if we have taught that a few Sundays ago, and then we have this proverb that, that says that God corrects us, so how do we how do we go between those two things and how do we understand those two things as it pertains to us and how we read it in scripture? Honestly, I don't know and that's something that I work on <clears throat> and pray for discernment on. But 
I guess, conviction. Like you just feel it in your heart. Like maybe that wasn't the way to handle it or do that or thought about that. And then you just want to go and just make sure you don't make the same mistake again. And you fill that with something like prayer or going and talking to someone about it and getting some perspective. So I don't know. I really don't know. It's just sometimes you just feel it in your heart and you understand like God was not calling me to do that or act that way or something like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's been so many times I've heard God just say, dude, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) What were you thinking? And and not not in such a way that just made me feel horrible or, you know, an inch tall. It was always, you know, in a loving or at least pretty loving way to just say, hey, listen, like, I got your back. It's going to be okay. Like, just, um, but, uh. And then the other thing is I've seen so many times where he is, um, he's just straight up sent somebody my way to say, hey, I've been noticing you've been doing this. Right. I don't think that's good for you. And immediately it's like you have this conviction. You just know. And sometimes our defense mechanisms just trigger right away like, how dare you? <laughs> but you know in the back of your head because you can hear God saying, hey, listen up. Mm-hmm. And you're just like. like but I think I think that's a cool aspect of God Mm -hmm. I feel like God has an emoji for me and it's the one with the hand on the face oh Oh my gosh what is she doing what is she doing that's probably my most (laughs) Leslie can probably tell you my most used emoji with her is that every single time truth and we send it back and forth to each other Yeah, and I think that it, I think that we have to realize also with this scripture that the Old Testament understanding was that God was in control of absolutely everything, every small little thing. So if if your grandmother got sick, oh, God caused that to happen. You know what? What did you do to to cause your grandmother to get sick? And that's a terrible feeling. Yeah, you know, because then you're thinking, oh gosh, I killed grandma. <laughs> You know, but but in reality, it's 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 just life. I mean, people get sick, things happen, and I think that that whenever we were talking about the idea that God doesn't just come in and and smite us and and punish us for the things that we do wrong, I think that He just lets us uh, go through those natural consequences of our terrible decisions. Mm-hmm. I think that He tries to guide us and He tries to tell us, hey. This is not a good thing. Please don't do this. And he does that through scripture. He does that through uh, pastors. He does that through friends. He does that through complete strangers sometimes. And the sad thing is, is more often than not, we choose to be impressed with our own wisdom Mm -hmm. and choose our own paths and choose the, the route that we want to take. And ultimately, that leads to certain natural consequences. You know, it was, it was like talking about Nolan, who likes to jump off of everything. You can tell him so many times not to do it. But if he's just going to do it anyways, he kind of has to deal with the consequence of the fourth time that he jumps off and he smacks his head on top of something and he's crying about it. And I take him and I, I console him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that you're hurt, but... I told you. 
I feel like that's God all the time in my life. I told you so. I told you not to do that. I told you that that was a terrible thing to do, and yet you chose to do it anyways. So you just have to live with this consequence. You have to live with the bump on your head. You do, and you just have to, hopefully you learn from it, because next time when you decide to jump off the couch, I'm going to tell you, don't. And hopefully you listen. Right. However, we are so stubborn and thick-headed, it it takes several bumps to finally realize, oh, that's right, God told me this was a terrible idea. (laughs) Maybe I should listen now that I have seven stitches and I'm having to heal from this. Sometimes my twitches. (laughs) So I I think that that we have to understand that God corrects us in the way that God chooses. Mm -hmm. And if if God chooses to allow something to happen in our life to correct us, then that is a way that he is correcting us. Now, I'm not saying that God does not have the power to punish and to cause things to happen. But I'm also saying that God is not causing every single bad thing in your life to happen solely to punish you for the things that you have been doing. Because that's not the case. Instead, we have caused those things to happen in our lives. And we have caused that struggle. So, I feel like that is God's way of correcting us. So, yeah. I agree. Any other thoughts on Proverbs 3? No. But I thought that this was good. And you putting in perspective, bringing God into everything versus centralizing and released me from all of those things that were holding me down because I felt guilty about not waking up at 6.30 in the morning and doing a devotional. And I had just got done telling Bianca, like, prioritize God, prioritize God. So as soon as you told me that, the next time I saw her, I took that note that I had taken and I was like, what I said to you was a lie. This is the truth. (laughs) This is how you do it. And I can do this with you and we can bring them to God together. And, And so it was nice and the whole a whole women's class was there, so I was able to kind of share that with everybody because I wanted them to know. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I Again, I feel like we just beat ourselves up so stinking much as Christians, especially because mm-hmm. we just feel like we're not good enough. And I feel like those are the schemes of Satan trying to take a hold of our hearts. And and if he can convince us that we are not good enough and that we are not worthy, then it is so much easier for us, for him to get us to stop turning to God and, and to being in a relationship with God and to, to having God a part of our life because we are constantly beating ourselves up and saying, I don't deserve any of this. And and the truth is, is we don't. Right. We don't deserve Jesus' sacrifice. We don't deserve this relationship that we have with God. But even though we don't deserve it, God still desires it. It's not about us deserving. It's right. about the desire of God to be in a relationship with us and to call all of us back to him and and to, to be in that relationship. And so we have got to stop putting up barriers in front of that. 
And we've got to realize that we need to come into a deeper understanding of who God is and a deeper understanding of what God wants for our life. And that is to centralize him in our lives, in all of the things that we do. That in doing that, that's where he'll take care of many of our, our failures and many of our struggles. Because if we prioritize God, then we don't really make him a part of anything else. We just make him, we just try to make him our, our number one priority. But if we centralize him, then he'll take care of our struggles with our family. He'll take care of our struggles at our job. It seems like if you prioritize him and you get up in the morning and you do your deal, you can go check. And then you have the right. rest of the day to be like, okay, well, I did. I did spend time right. with God. I'm, yeah. I'll see him in the morning. That's right. right. So that centralizing him keeps him there every mm-hmm. every minute of every day. And that really kind of brings to home the whole idea of con- praying continuously. Mm-hmm. You know, when you read that, you're like, how can I possibly do that? There is no way that I can just continuously pray all day, you know, the however many hours that I'm awake. There's no way that I can possibly do that. But in reality, if you centralize God in the things that you do, then you realize, oh, you know what? I'm talking to God throughout my day, not just in the mornings, not just during prayer times, not just before the meal, not just at this time during my day. I am talking to him constantly, and I'm sure people might think I'm crazy, but that's that's just a part of who I am and a part of what I'm doing. And so that centralizing God in our lives is super important in growing in our relationship with him. So if I would give anybody one thing from today's podcast, it is to stop beating yourself up for not prioritizing God in your life and to begin finding ways to centralize him. Find ways to place him in the things that you are involved in. Find ways to to place him in in all that you do from from morning to night, whatever it might be. And I promise you it will help you deal with things. If you are struggling in your marriage, put God in it. Mm-hmm. Because if 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 all you have done has made it to where it's in this terrible place, then I'm not sure that there's a whole lot that you're going to be able to do alone that's going to get it out of that place because you're the one who helped get it there. Right. And it doesn't matter if if it's uh, what's going on in your marriage. Both parties have a part to play. Oh, yeah. No matter what, both parties have a part to play. Nobody is is just free of guilt in in circumstances. But if you place God in the center of that relationship, then you have a better chance of healing that relationship than if he's not in it. Right. 100%. If you're struggling in your job, if you hate your job, you will have a better experience in your workplace if you put God into that job. Finding ways to love people and pour into people and build people up and and to continually build your relationship with God and to build your relationship with others. And that's when life change happens, when you centralize your focus and you place God into to everything that you do. So if you want to change something that, that's not going right or if you are not enjoying in your life, find a way to put God in it and see what happens. Because I... I I can almost guarantee and and promise that it will make some type of a change in your life. Yeah. Some type. 
You know, it, it might not be the most draft. You might not go to work every day and just absolutely love your job just because you put God in it. But it could definitely make it much more bearable. And it can make it something that is now your ministry. It is something that you are using to help pour into people. Right. It breaks away at the hardness in your heart when you try and seek those things. And then just the peace that comes from God that could never come from anywhere else is able to just kind of push you through those things. Right. And that's how God opens doors or guides you is through those type of instances. Yes, It really does. So those are my closing thoughts. Amen. Everybody else good for this morning? Mm-hmm. Good. Good. All right. Well, I want everybody to know that we are praying for you. We we care for you. We love you. We want the best for you. And we are hoping that God is using this podcast to help bring you wisdom, to help grow in your relationship with him. And I, I hope and pray that you are enjoying this time to dig a little bit deeper into scripture. And we will see you guys next week. See you next week.